0: talking about uh the british invasion yeah sort (laughs) of yeah just the very few things that we ended up researching because it's a hella huge topic that neither of us was really prepared for Mm -mm. (laughs) the scope i mean i just learned today that it goes beyond music yeah so hi didn't know
1: It's a lot. Um, I also always just associated the Beatles with it, which I feel like is what a lot of people do. Um, They're not the only thing associated with it. So we're not going to be delving too deep into the Beatles because of that. We are going to save them for probably at least two episodes, I would imagine it would take to talk about them. Their own series, because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to do our best with this, <laughs> and just at the top here, we're going to put a little disclaimer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good timing.
0: So um, that.
1: It's about dinner time. We're behind in our recording schedule because that's nothing new for us. That's how we roll. <laughs> and John finally said that he would make dinner for us, so he's going to be chopping some vegetables in the kitchen, which my apartment is small. It's literally right next to the living room, yep. so you might hear that in the background. Sorry, Sorry if you're hungry <laughs> and jealous. <laughs> of our vegetable soup that we're gonna have, uh, but yeah, just that's not the cats this time. Just our dinner being made. But also,
0: there's still our cats that live here, so yes. you know you can't rule those out. They might that's also true. disturb the peace.
1: That's true. Very true. Okay. Uh,
0: alrighty. Tea first. Yeah. Tea. We know tea. An so easy part. Too- yeah, the easy part. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, you go first.
1: Okay, so I'm having a tea I've never had before. Ever. Um, it's a chocolate tea. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how I'm going to feel about it. I've had the chocolate mint tea. Didn't like that.
0: Yeah, but chocolate's different. I know. Peppermint can go wrong in so many ways.
1: Yeah. Um, it's traditional medicinals. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it is smooth move. I knew it. <laughs> Um, don't need it for that. Perhaps you get regular. Yes. (laughs) I don't need it for that. I was just looking in my tea cabinet and I I was thinking that I've had a lot of the teas that are in here already.
0: It doesn't really smell too much like chocolate.
1: No, it really doesn't smell very good at all. So we'll see how this goes. I'll let you know at the end. Okay. Although Tressa might be able to tell before. Yeah, well, maybe. by a facial reaction.
0: Yeah, we try not to give too much away with that, but sometimes it you can't help <laughs> it if you really like uh, floored by the flavor of tea. Also, good if or you bad,
1: take like three sips and then you don't drink the rest of it. <laughs> uh-huh. It's
0: like huh, I have a feeling here. Okay, well, I am drinking uh, a tea I've also never had before. Look at us go! Yay! It is called almond cookie. And if I remember right, because I'm dumb and I didn't bring the package over here, it's from a brand called Tea Kitten.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure, because we've had that Tea uh-huh. Kitten on the podcast before. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is.
0: So it's called Almond Cookie, and it smells delicious. So I'm
1: optimistic about the way it's going to taste. Does it still smell as good as it did before you brewed it? Because my tea bag smelled good. Mm. Like the chocolate tea mm-hmm. bag smelled really good. And now this does not smell very good.
0: <laughs> this, I would say, this smells the same. It's just like uh, more, it's not as obvious of a scent. Ah. You know? It's yeah. like the tea itself was like pretty in your face. And mm-hmm. it, after being brewed, it's kind of subtle.
1: Hmm. But okay. it still smells good. That's good. So. I'm also nervous about mine because it had to steep for 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> What's the deal with that? I don't know.
0: I've I've never heard of that before. No.
1: Okay. All right. Well, here we go. British Invasion.
0: Oh, it's so much.
1: I'm just going to cite my sources at the top because I pretty much had one. (laughs) And then a couple to fill in. So I found this YouTube video from Brigham Young University. And it's called The British Invasion of the 1960s. And it had a moderator, David Kirkham who was an associate professor of political science and a senior fellow at and the university. The, yeah. Interesting. And then the two like speakers, one was Robert Coulson, he is an assistant professor of interdisciplinary humanities and the other was Michael Hicks, who is a professor of musical composition and theory. That's where I got most of my information from. Interesting. And Brigham then there was, Young
0: University. Yeah. You know that's like a Mormon school, right? Oh no. Like Brigham Young was like a founder of the church.
1: Oh. I think,
0: I mean, he's definitely a Mormon. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know. That. Like, why
1: would they have a lecture on the British invasion? <laughs> um, <laughs> Wikipedia just for a list, and then another article from American Heritage okay. called "The Other British Invasion." Okay. I don't well, know if you have sources, um, you want to say I
0: used Wikipedia. Period. Done. Thank you. Please go donate to Wikipedia. <laughs> they are the shit. <laughs>
1: Okay, so kind of to start off, like I said at the beginning, I sort of thought the Beatles equaled the British Invasion. Um, So I was very surprised to find out that Wikipedia had a list of 45 plus bands that were part of the British Invasion. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Here are a few, and Tressa, I know that you did kind of research specifically on bands. I did.
0: Yeah, I kind of just delved into the artists that quote-unquote made the British Invasion. Yeah.
1: You know. So, I can run through my list, and then maybe go through the background. And then we can dive into your people. Sure. Okay, so I don't have 45 plus bands listed here. Don't worry. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. Buckle up. Here we go. Now I just have the Beatles, the Who, the Animals, the Spencer Davis Group, Freddie and the Dreamers, Herman's Hermits, the Undertakers, the Yardbirds, and Sandy Shaw, just to name a few.
0: There are like three in there that I didn't even have on my list to
1: research. Yeah. So
0: it just goes to show how
1: many groups
0: there actually were.
1: Which three do you know?
0: Uh, The last one.
1: Sandy Shaw. Um,
0: the Dream One. Freddie and the Dreamers, and then one of the one other one, but I couldn't.
1: One of the thes, because that seems to be a lot of
0: right. They're all the something. Yeah. Do you think that's why the Beatles was like, no, we're we're Beatles, we're not the Beatles, we're Beatles, capital B Beatles. That's their official name. I don't know. They were like, we're the nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But all their stuff says the.
0: I thought that was, like, their whole shtick. Just, like, like looking like around my room at my Beatles stuff. I know. <laughs> the <Taylor's> Beatles. is <laughs> kind of a, a major fan of
1: the Beatles. I mean, like that's then. just because of my dad, so. I know
0: we said we weren't going to talk about the Beatles.
1: So <laughs> we're doing really good.
0: I wonder if it's just stylized as the... usually isn't capitalized unless it's the beginning of a sentence. Anyhow, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't really
1: matter. Right. So... so-
0: If that is a thing, we'll talk about it in a future episode.
1: There we go. (laughs) I'm going to
0: table it for now. Thanks.
1: (laughs) So just a smidge of background. And I really mean a smidge. So it seems from this uh, lecture I listened to, the British invasion was from the early 1960s through like the mid-1960s. And it was British culture coming to America and gaining popularity very quickly kind of the whole mm-hmm. thing of it. Um, it's best known for its music takeover, but it's not limited to that, which I also learned while yeah. researching this. Um, and just to kind of show how big the music was, in 1964, there were nine number one hits and six were by the Beatles. Wow. In 19... 19- I know. In 1965, 12 number one hits, four were the Beatles. And these are... Um, so, like, nine number one hits, 12 number... Those are all British bands. It's just, like, the Beatles were kind of the, the bigger ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in May 1964, nine out of the top ten hits were Beatles songs. The other one was by Gary Lewis and the Playboys, which was actually an American group. Oh, okay. For their song, Count Me In. And about half of the Billboard charts in 1965 were by British groups. Wow. So...
0: <laughs> and like, I, I don't, I'm sure you don't have these and that's fine. I'm just speculating, but I'm assuming that like, if you would go back a decade, it would be like American artists were topping oh, the charts. Yeah. And so this was like crazy unusual.
1: Oh yeah. I'm like a hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. That's probably
0: it. Isn't that weird? Like how we've moved like over time to just be more of a like global world, Mm-hmm. especially with just technology. It's like the yeah. music was able to make its way over here.
1: Mm-hmm so much faster <laughs> right yeah hmm. so do you want to talk about some of your bands oh well, sure we don't have to do all of them right now we could like do mm-hmm. some of your bands and then
0: yeah well I some f- of my stuff i feel like um one that might be like a good place to start uh at least one of my favorites to research was the The kinks mm-hmm. because to me they had one of the most interesting stories okay um and they started really young because, and, and it ties back into an old episode of ours. Mm-hmm.
1: So, we'll um, know what
0: that could be. the kids, <laughs> there were two kids named, two brothers named Ray and Dave, and they played skiffle music together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were two of the original members of the group, the Kinks. Okay. Um, and so they were just kids when they started playing and they, um, formed a band with their classmates and they were billed as the Ray Davies Quartet. <laughs> and I thought this is cute, unless the bassist got them the gig, and then they were the Pete Quayle Quartet after the bassist. And oh, that was the bass. okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like If he got them the gig, then they were like, okay, you can have top billing or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that they played together for the first time at a school dance, and mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh my gosh, you guys are awesome. And so they were like, hmm, maybe we could play at local pubs, and so that's what they decided to do. And that's like the only reason they really got started doing that.
1: Wow. So
0: um they went through a series of lead vocalists um before they found one that stuck. Um one of their lead vocalists for a time was Rod Stewart, like the Rod Stewart. Oh the artist. Interesting. <laughs> and then after that didn't work out, I'm not sure what happened there, um, Rod Stewart then formed a group called the Rod Rod Stewart and the Moonrakers, mm-hmm. who kind of became a local rival to what was the Ray Davies Quartet at the time. hmm You know, the, the kinks OG. <laughs> um, so they would compete for gigs and pubs and stuff. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Um, their name actually comes from... <laughs> it's debated, but... Um, they believe the name came from um, their kinky fashion sense. Hmm. They also, there's also a running theory that they thought kink would be like it's just it's a little taboo but it's still right. on the verge of being socially acceptable that's mm-hmm. what a kink is you know so they were like "Ooh, it will be like fame by outrage you know people would be yeah. like oh what is this and the kids would be like "Ooh, what is this yeah you know <laughs> uh, apparently ray davies never liked the name
1: oh he
0: but he went along with it i don't know <laughs> um one of their biggest hits was the song you really got me mm-hmm. um and the first time I ever heard that recording was by Van Halen. Mm. It was the Van Halen cover, which yeah. got, was really famous. Um, so I had to go back and actually listen to what theirs sounded like, which weirdly sounded really similar. Hmm. And, you know, we're talking about like at least a 20, okay, maybe a 15 year difference in mm-hmm. recording. But I feel like at least judging from that song, their their sound was really different than a lot of... The bands that came along with the British Invasion, they were considered more like blues style, kind of cutting edge, sort of like the Rolling Stones-esque, mm-hmm. versus the Beatles who were very like, at the beginning of their career, were very like yeah. pop, happy music, mm-hmm. you know, it was poppy. Um, Their stuff was more gritty. Yeah. Um. So this song, You Really Got Me, was recorded in 1964 and only took them two takes to do. Oh, wow. Made the top 10 in the U.S., And it had this really distorted guitar riff, which uh, I guess was achieved by Dave, the guitar player, um, slicing his speaker cone in his amp. Hmm. So it was, like, distorted because the amp couldn't Mm -hmm. play the sound correctly, but that's, like, what contributed to the gritty noise.
1: (laughs) So I don't know what I'm doing now. Yeah, you really got me now. You got me so I can't sleep at night. Yeah, you really got me now. You got me so I
0: don't know what I'm doing now. Oh yeah. So the song has been described as quote, a blueprint song in the hard rock and heavy metal arsenal and is an influence on the approach of some American garage rock bands. So they were very different, I think, than a lot of the other groups in that way. A little heavier. They were also known for being very rowdy on stage. <laughs> and apparently their drummer once uh, hit Dave, the guitar player, with uh, his, like, hi-hat. And thought he killed him. So he ran off stage and ran away. Oh, good. So, good times. The Kinks. <laughs> what a fun group, right? <laughs> and that's my little tidbit about them. But I thought they were a really interesting group when I was researching them. Mm-hmm. I kept, like, audibly going, like, laughing or going, huh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they were fun.
0: So that's the Kinks. Nice. mm
1: mm-hmm. um, Okay. Well, I can talk about why it happened when it happened. Yes, please. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, this is from the um, lecture I watched, and it was kind of interesting because Robert Coulson talked about sort of the British side of things, and then Michael Hicks talked about what was going on in the U.S. around this time. Mm-hmm. So Robert Coulson believes that if you like, if you're focusing on the British side of the invasion in Britain, they're in a post-war uh, post-war period. Mm-hmm. Um, their economy is not great. Right. Uh, members of all these bands come from, like, working-class backgrounds. They're just right. kids who, you know, didn't grow up. With money. Yeah. Right. And listen to skiffle music and things like that. In this period of post-war, the empire is kind of, like, collapsing around them is what Robert Coulson the was quote, saying. The British Empire? Yeah. Yeah. And what it means to be British is starting to, like, change. Uh, so Britain kind of grabs on to this as a way to reassert its self culture, like this British invasion. Yeah, okay. And so with the extreme popularity of the invasion, this gives Britain hope and makes them feel like, we're still important. Like, uh, we still uh, Even though we
0: don't own half the world.
1: Right. Yikes. So that's kind of <laughs> the British side of things. Oh my. Um, and then Michael Hicks talks about... The big thing that happened right around this, which was the JFK assassination. Oh, that plays into this? Sort of. Okay. And not that, like, someone from Britain assassinated JFK. (laughs) (laughs) He talked about how that moment in time is sort of like a fixed point where it's like, this was life before the JFK assassination, and now this is life after, and, like, all the things that kind of changed. I mean, their president was assassinated. It's kind of, like, rocked everyone's world when that happened. Um like, and so it's go ahead. like
0: Doctor Who when you said that sorry like a I fixed know. A fixed point <laughs> in time like you could never go back and save JFK like right. it would ruin like all of time the whole time space continuum mm-hmm.
1: well <laughs> isn't that in the first episode there's like when Rose is talking to that um the guy who's been like researching the Doctor forever um he has like a bunch of pictures of him throughout time he's like oh. at the JFK assassination oh. is one of them mm-hmm. so. Yeah, no, I thought about the doctor when I said fixed point. (laughs) I bet you did. I was
0: like, "That is Doctor Who
1: esque." Um, but basically, the American people were kind of looking for something to help make sense of how life was going to continue on, which sounds really dramatic, but Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it was like to have that happen. There's never been president assassinated. Since I've been alive.
0: No, and in like modern so, times, like you think about the Lincoln assassination mm-hmm. that was like, you know, during war times. Right. It's just completely different and you would think like, we have such precautions now, different mm-hmm. weapons, security measures, like you would just think that's impossible. Mm-hmm. And so when it happened, I'm sure people were just floored. Right. They did not know how to handle it.
1: Right. Um, And so it kind of seems like the British Invasion came to us, right, it, it it happened, it came to us right during this time, and it was kind of like a saving grace for mm-hmm. the American people to just sort of focus on that. Yeah. Hey, listen to all this fun music, and look at this fashion. And... So it's
0: kind of just like perfect timing in many ways. Right. For both countries.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. That it happened that way, so... That's sort of a very, I mean, there's obviously so much more you could go into about (laughs) why it happened when it happened, but that is a very summarized version. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I have one note on Beatlemania. We couldn't not touch on it, okay? It's the shortest note ever, because it was before I decided I wasn't going to talk about Beatlemania.
0: Is it Beatlemania
1: happened? No. Oh. It's the Beatles. (laughs) Did you all know? That would be that probably the happened. shortest note you <laughs> can have. Just the Beatles made their first appearance in America in February of 1964 on the Ed Sullivan
0: show. Oh, yeah, so and that's like
1: famous. Right. And that's all I wrote about it. and then I was like, it's too much. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. Oh, God. Okay. So. You want to talk about another one of your bands?
0: Well, sure. Alright, we'll just uh, start at the top of the list here with the Zombies. Who were considered kind of pop style, like the Beatles. Okay. Um, they first jammed together, like just came together for a jam in 1961, very casual. They were also all students at the time. Um, I don't have a ton about them, just a couple tidbits. They weren't as, quite as fun as the Kinks. Sorry, the Zombies <laughs> members. Um, they actually only ever had one song make the UK's top 40 really yet they were huge here right <laughs> um and the song was called she's not there
1: well no one told me about how many people cried but it's too late to say you're sorry how would i know why should i care please don't bother trying to find her she's not there
0: And it made number twelve, and it made like number nine, I believe, in the U.S. Along with tons other their their songs, like they were super Mm -hmm. popular here. Um, they kind of they kind of peaked and then fizzled, so that's why I don't have a lot on them because they were really popular in the sixties, and then they just nothing really ever happened. They did reunite in the year two thousand, though. Oh, wow. so And they're still going strong. They obviously had a lot of success in the early 60s, and then they split in December 1967 after a lack of demand for live performances. They just really couldn't get gigs anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's kind of sad. So um, their most famous song, Time of the Season, which oh, if yeah. you heard it, yeah, you, yeah. you know it.
1: Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> it's a time of the season when love runs high in this time give it to me easy and let me try with pleasure hands to take you in this
0: it was recorded in 67 uh, and then it was and this was like obviously before they broke up so it was recorded, they broke up, and then it was released as a single in 1968, and then didn't make the top, like, the top 100 in the United States until 1969, when it, pushed randomly, like, to number three. It hmm. was c- kind of considered a sleeper. Okay. So because of this, they were kind of back in the popular circuit, and uh, people wanted them to come back and perform, but despite this, they refused. They were like, nope, we're not getting back together. They oh, Even know they were ready becoming popular. they mm-hmm. huh. were like, nah. That like single propelled them again into the spotlight, and they did not. They were like, nah, we're doing our own things now, you know. And yeah. So then I guess two thousand was when they finally decided <laughs> to grant people's <laughs> so wishes. Like Thirty years later. So, yeah. So that's that's the zombies story.
1: Okay. So my next little section here is I titled it Beyond Music. (laughs) Yes, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Okay, well, I mean, there's not a ton, but there's some. Okay. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever watched interviews with, like, the Beatles specifically. It was what I know. I'm sure it happened to all the other bands, too. But um, a lot of the interviewers ask them about, like, their hair and their fashion. (laughs) And, like, when are you going to cut your hair? Why is your hair like, you know, stuff like that. Yes. Um... And so it even, like, it came. It became a point to where, like, there were Beatles wigs that people would go out and buy. Mm. And just wear, apparently not for, like, costume parties or anything. Just in general, uh-huh. everyday life, which is interesting. <laughs> and you can kind of, there's a couple parts that this lecture pointed out uh, where you can see... Them sort of the band's referencing this, or maybe poking fun at it, or whatever. Um, and the examples were, <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen Hard Day's Night. Um, yeah, I want to say yes. Um, yeah. But there's this scene where George accidentally like walks into, uh, essentially like an open call. It seemed like for actors. Okay. Um, and. He's asked to give his opinion on teenagers' clothes of the times, and he was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. And the guy's like, but it'll be fake. Like, you'll have lines. Like, we don't want your real opinion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We want... Right. Here's our script. This is the opinion we want. And it's about... um, He's handed, like, these two white white button-up collared shirts. Okay. Um, And they're like, this is what you'll be giving your opinion on, And he was like, oh, no, I would never be caught dead wearing that. Like, I'm not (laughs) going to be giving my opinion on that. And it's just this whole scene, but that's just, like, part of it. And I feel like it's kind of funny because I feel like white-collar button-up shirts fit into what the Beatles were wearing around that time. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. And then it's also in the Rolling Stones song, Satisfaction. Satisfaction. man comes on to tell me how white my shirt should be. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, those are just like little teasers sort of to what was going on with them and like why everyone was so focused on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it turns out, I mean, I know I talked about the Beatles wig, so it turns out like hair played a big part in sort of this. Almost competition that, like, American bands had versus British bands, which I didn't know about, but apparently it's, like, they competed to see who could grow their hair the longest, so, like, and we can see that over, I mean, it's over time, obviously, because the Beatles start with, like, shorter hair, I feel like most of them do, but... It's like, it just fed into the 70s, like, hair band. Yeah, vibe. exactly. <laughs> and I know we're not talking about the Beatles. It's just the band I'm most familiar with in this category. So I can see the progression of their hair mm-hmm. <laughs> through their music. Right. Um. But yeah, it's like this one band would grow their hair to, like, shoulder length. And then the next band would grow it to, like, middle of their back or whatever. And it's just like, it's like a weird thing. But it became very radical, no, and if you think it's about, like a thing. yeah, the men's like fashion back then, in the '60s, like the later '60s, early '70s, uh-huh. it makes longer sense. hair was in style. So, mm-hmm. and that's just that's it's just so weird to me that that came from.
0: Honestly, I love it. I look back at the '70s, and I'm like, the hair was everything. <laughs> the women's hair, the men's hair, everybody just had hair everywhere, and I love yes. it. Epic.
1: He's a lot of hair.
0: Okay, I have um, a callback to the Kinks. Okay, that's hair related. Okay, <laughs> that I wasn't even—I didn't even have it in my notes, but I remember reading about it, and I just thought it was kind of funny. They were taping a show on Dick Clark's TV show. And, um, this is apparently, their onstage behavior actually led to them being, like, banned from live performances. Like, people were, oh. they were that bad. I mean, they almost g- killed each other on stage. Oh, like, yeah. bad. <laughs> so, um, they were trying to tape the show, and, um, some guy, this is a quote from Ray, one of the brothers. He said, some guy who had worked for the TV company walked up and accused us of being late, and then he started making anti-British comments. Things like, just because the Beatles did it, every mop-topped Spotty-faced, slimy juvenile thinks he can come over here and make a career for himself. <laughs> and then I guess somebody punched him, and so they got. Oh. Um, but yeah, uh, mop, mop-topped.
1: Yeah, <laughs> How I they feel like mop top was a very popular way yeah. to describe their hair. <laughs> and um, everyone was doing. <laughs> yeah, one of the presenters was even saying that he remembers walking down just like the street or whatever and he saw his shadow mm-hmm. and he could see his ears in his shadow and so he started to try and like pull his hair like forward to hide his ears because at that point you know the guys had long enough hair to like cover their ears and That's it was funny. just like the thing that was in then I think
0: it's just because British people have big ears sometimes stick out from their head
1: maybe maybe <laughs> And then the last little section I have on, like, beyond music uh, goes kind of into movies. Mm-hmm. And in this lecture, they said that James... They just were like, James Bond movies are part of this invasion. And then kind of, like, continued on. And I was like, "Cow, I never A huge would have of thought of that. Future. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so I looked into that. And Goldfinger came out in 1964. So just right during all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starred Sean Connery. Um, so then it got me thinking about like other films during this time and top out of the top 10 grossing films for 1964, six included Brits as stars. Mary Poppins. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Poppins is actually Goldfinger was number two. Mary Poppins was number one. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. the job, But wait,
0: and then my fair lady too.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, it then they listed like six six of the stars. So mm-hmm. Julie Andrews, yeah. Rex Harrison, Peter Sellers, Audrey Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Sean Connery. And they're all well, they're all from the UK. Exactly. Yeah, those are the like six Brits that were wow. the stars. Yeah. Um, was Sean
0: Connery. Was it kind of...
1: Or British. I looked him up, and I'm pretty sure it said United Kingdom. I believe you. Well, Well, I guess that kind of includes Scotland. (laughs) I didn't like specifically. I was just looking to make sure. Edinburgh. Oh, so So Scottish. it was Scottish. Okay. But. Anyway. United um, Kingdom. Yeah. (laughs) So just in case people don't know, I also listed a couple (laughs) movies for each of these people minus Sean Connery, because James Bond was kind of the big one. Mm -hmm. So Julie Andrews from Mary Poppins, The Sound of Music. In case, in case you're you not familiar.
0: Don't know who she is. Yeah. Um,
1: Rex Harrison was in My Fair Lady and Dr. Doolittle. Um, Peter Sellers was in The Pink Panther and Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn was also in My Fair Lady, Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, Cary Grant, North by Northwest, oh. To Catch a Thief, um, Sean Connery. Obviously, these are not all of their movies. They may not even be their most well-known movies, but... I feel like they probably are. <laughs>
0: I, when you said the name Peter Sellers, I was like, I should know who that is.
1: I did have to look him up with his <laughs> movies to remember.
0: But then I was like, when you said Dr. Strangelove, I was like, oh, right.
1: Because mm-hmm. I've
0: seen that. I think we watched it in film school. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that. I feel like that's one of his biggest movies. Mm-hmm. But he was the only one out of that list that I couldn't immediately connect with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, just interesting how... how that that, like
0: coincided Mm -hmm. Uh
1: because I feel like it it probably I mean it would have I'm sure even if the music wasn't a big thing I'm sure those movies still would have been popular yeah at this time but it's just funny how like all of this is happening at once
0: Mm -hmm. well it makes me wonder if people in Hollywood you know they're they're cunning Mm -hmm. they see what's going on with music and they're like Hmm. And Americans are latching onto British things. So, what if we put more British people in lead roles? Right. I mean,
1: yeah. That's kind of the cool. beyond music mm-hmm. section. So you know, fashion, hairstyles, movies. Yep. Just permeating just all of culture, basically. All of
0: right. <laughs> um. I don't have a lot of research on the animals, mm-hmm. but that is the next group I want to talk about. Um, and it's kind of. Falls into fashion actually. Oh, the cool. um, lead singer, he did an interview on CNN that I watched, and I thought it was interesting um, because, according to him, the members of the band were mismanaged because they were pushed to be really polished, like the Beatles. If mm-hmm. you watch their like one of their early life performances of "House of the Rising Sun," which was their big song. Mm-hmm. suits they're kind of staged just like the Beatles were Mm -hmm. um very similar vibe um even though their music is quite different (laughs) but um they were, they were kind of more... They were on the grittier side, like the Rolling Stones, the, the Kinks, you know, all that. So they didn't feel like the polished, pop-happy look was for them. but mm-hmm. like They were forced to do it because they were under management, right?
1: Right. And that's what seemed to be the popular That's
0: right. Thing. I mean, they that's what they were going off of. The Beatles were successful, so they were like, well, we've got to have our groups do that, too. Mhm. Even if it wasn't for them. Right. Um, they were very influenced by soul and R&B. Mm. Definitely, like... A lot of American music A lot mm-hmm. of really deep music mm-hmm. um, They uh, also hated the expression British invasion mm. Because They felt like it went against the 60s Like peace and love vibe Of the times And they did not like the idea That they were being associated with any kind of Quote
1: invasion Right, because um, you kind of think like war
0: Yeah, or, like, just the fact that the British colonized a lot of the world Mm, and mm -hmm. committed a lot of crimes in the process. Right. And they're talking about, like, invading those lands, and they're just alluding to that, again, with this term, British invasion, which I never thought about that until Mm -mm. he said that. And I was like, oh, alrighty. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Um, I that's really all I had on the animals. It was mostly from that interview, but they seem like an interesting group. He seems like an interesting guy. So, yeah, <laughs> I wish I had more, but I ran out of time.
1: Because <laughs> we're also really great at researching ahead yeah, of time. Am. I
0: am. <laughs> well, if you don't know the animals, you should, because they're a pretty big group. Oh
1: yeah. So my last little section here is kind of like miscellaneous because I didn't really know where to put it into um and it was pretty much just like two questions or topics that were brought up during the conversation and the first one was something I hadn't really thought of before um the question was asked was this really an invasion of new music (laughs) Or (laughs) was it inspired by music that was already a part of America, like folk, blues, rockabilly? Um, Basically, music that was popular here became popular in Britain and then was reintroduced to us with new musical groups. Mm -hmm. So Robert Coulson brought up the fact that one thing that sets these groups apart is the fact that they view themselves not just as entertainers, but as artists. And he believes it's because... um, Over in the UK, when you finish secondary school, you have an option to go to art school. You don't have to, obviously, but if that's what you're interested in, you have the option. (laughs) What is that?
0: I would love to have that as a thing here.
1: Right. So a few of the members of these bands attended these art schools after they were done with secondary school. And so while they're working on their art or paintings, poetry, whatever they're yeah. doing, they're listening to American R and B, early rock and roll, right. etc. So it's like while they're I don't know, kind of like fulfilling their artistic needs through this art school, they're also listening to this music that they're inspired by. It's just kind of like this mix of artistry and entertainment. And yeah. so instead of just seeing themselves as a group that needs to like entertain this crowd they see themselves as artists and i feel like that's that like heavily influenced their sound as well
0: yeah and it probably played into the fact that they wrote a lot of their own material right they were influenced and sometimes did covers but it was like a mix mm-hmm. like they saw themselves as like singer songwriters too yeah and it was kind of just Everyone in, like, the 50s, 40s, like, you did standards, like, with big band music Mm -hmm. and jazz. It was, like, there were these standard songs that everyone covered. Right. And people occasionally wrote their own songs. But the 60s were, like, the the big singer-songwriter.
1: Boom. Right. So. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And something I hadn't really thought about. Like, I knew the earlier Beatles songs. A lot of them were covers. I knew that, yeah. but I didn't think about the fact that it was, like, American music that they were covering, you know.
0: Right. So. And very influenced by. Right. Every single band I researched was that way. That was, like, American... I mean, music essentially rooted in black culture. Like, that's what right. they were <laughs>
1: influenced mm-hmm. by. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the other question that they talked about that I thought was interesting is, is there... Is there more than one wave of the British invasion? Um, yes. some people think, no, it was only like a one-time thing. Uh-huh. Others obviously think opposite of that. Um, to me, through this lecture specifically, um, it seemed more like, a competition, again, between American bands mm-hmm. and UK bands, um, and just like an example I have of this, and this is kind of my last talking point, but I thought it was interesting. Um, the Beach Boys released Pet Sounds on May 16, 1966, and there's a, the lecturer said there's a quote from Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find this quote, but he said it was a quote, uh, after he heard it, asking, what are we going to do now? Um... And they came back with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on May 26, 1967. So almost exactly a year later, they like went back and forth, you know. It's just like so interesting. And I'm sure if you looked at the timeline of this and like really listened to the music and things like that, you could see that.
0: Yeah, like the back and forth.
1: Mhm. And I don't mm-hmm. do you know the album Pet Sounds by the no. by the Beach Boys. You'll really? know their songs. I'm sure um, I will. But... Wouldn't it be nice? Oh yeah. All right. Uh that's the first one. That's the one I recognized. Um God only knows. You know that one. Do I though? Yeah.
0: You you have to sing it for me I dealer. can't sing it. But the <laughs> words are
1: God only knows what I'd be without you.
0: But long as there are stars love you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd without you.
1: But that's, you know, that's the Beach Boys and then Sgt. Pepper's came after that, which I know.
0: Well, I assume you know I know that one much yeah. better than... Cut sounds
1: it's getting better all the time I used to get So, just interesting. The few songs I know of, Pet Sounds, and then comparing them with some of the songs on Sgt. Pepper's, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see how they're inspired by each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And I actually did read an interview with Paul McCartney recently that they were talking about Pet Sounds specifically, and he says he's still, like, a huge fan of it and, like, plays it for his kids and doesn't feel like someone has, like, a full musical education until they've listened to Pet Sounds. Things yeah. like that. So I
0: feel like Paul McCartney and a lot of these artists like they took influence from each other mm-hmm. and they like respected each other mm-hmm. as musicians. And I think yeah. that just shows in like Paul McCartney's success anyway. Mm-hmm. Like how could you get this far without respecting your fellow musician?
1: Right. So. Yeah. And it was kind of nice that they, I mean, they were in competition with each other, but not so much so that they didn't also kind of like support each other and mm. they weren't like friends outside of it, you know, like they were friends outside of it. They, they all kind of knew each other, not all of How them necessarily, you but yeah, yeah, you're all kind of experiencing the same thing at the same time. Right. So I feel like you'd want to relate to each other and kind of be there. And also, when you're in America and there's another British group, you can get together and. Mm-hmm. You're homesick or whatever. <laughs> reminisce.
0: Well, and I feel like it's just it, it. It's always been the same, but I, you know, with show business, um, there are people that can be really cutthroat and mm-hmm. who want to just like cut you down and walk over your dead body in order to be successful. Like, right. but then there are the people that like lift other people up with them. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that, at the end of the day, actually become successful, or
1: should be in my opinion. Right, and you I know. mean you can kind of take a perfect example from the British Invasion and all of the musical groups because they all kind of I didn't find anything, although I didn't research it specifically, but I didn't find anything that said, like, these groups tried to like tear the other ones down Yeah, and no. speak negatively of them in interviews or anything like that and there were so many that were so successful mm-hmm. I do think some of them resented being
0: compared to the Beatles, though
1: Oh over probably and over and over again. I mean look yeah. at what
0: the, the guy from um, from the animals
1: said. They mm-hmm. were being like
0: made to look like them.
1: And he was like, yeah. This
0: is not us, please
1: stop. <laughs> right. We're in <laughs> an a different group. We're not the you have the Beatles. Why do you want us to also be like the Beatles? <laughs> the reason for that,
0: exactly. Um well, all right. My last group sort of is not a group. I wanted to touch on the fact that there there were a ton of bands, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but there were also uh, solo artists that came out of this movement, a bunch of solo artists. In fact, some that you, we've all probably heard of, like Tom Jones was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Petula Clark, who I've talked about before, um, she was an Irish singer. <laughs> now that I say that out loud, I'm not sure if she was Irish, but I think she was Irish. <laughs> Anyway, um, Petula Clark, Donovan, and Scylla Black were, um, some other ones. Um, but the one I wanted to focus on, she was really huge. Her name was Dusty Springfield.
1: hmm
0: And, um, she was an extremely significant singer of what they call Blue-Eyed Soul. Okay. Which is white people singing yeah. soul music. <laughs> right. Um, and she does have a really unique voice, um... Like her timber, I think, is very different than what I would say a lot of the singers sounded like in the day. It seems like she's pretty suited for that kind of music, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's neat to hear recordings of her. Um, so uh, in the top one hundred, like Billboard top one hundred in the United States, her solo career lasted almost as long as the Beatles' career before their breakup. So oh, wow. she charted almost. As often Mm -hmm. and with less hits, because obviously the Beatles would have like six or seven at the same time, right? She didn't have that. She would have like one, but she was consistently in the top 100 almost as long as the Beatles, which is pretty cool. Yeah.
1: So, she was
0: legit. She's very popular. And I had never heard of her before, and I felt kind of bad about that. (laughs)
1: No, I I haven't either. I didn't want to say that. Um, Because you were like, this really popular person. You would know her her songs. But, yeah, I didn't.
0: I had to look her. I had no idea about her. So, before she went to to do her solo career, she was in various groups. um, And she she made it to the U.S., With a folk trio she was with, and they went to Nashville to record um, because they wanted to do a real, like, U.S. album, like, real, Mm -hmm. real folk music, right? Mm -hmm. But while she was there, um, she did record the album with the group, but while she was here, she um, was really influenced by pop music that was around at the time and rhythm and blues that she heard, and that's what made her shift from folk and country to That type of music. Um, Which I thought was just kind of strange anyway, because when I think about, like, if people come to the United States, like, wouldn't you be, like, pushed towards, like, country and folk? Because that's kind of our thing. Right. But she did the opposite. (laughs) So (laughs) so, there. She had a really famous song called I Only Want to Be With You that peaked at number 12 in the top 100 one week after the Beatles song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. So she was right after them in terms of the British invasion. Uh I mean, she almost started it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She was responsible for introducing the Motown sound to a UK audience. Mm. She's kind of credited with that. She brought it back home with her. Um, She also wrote one song that was pretty successful. Herself, she did do some songwriting, but a lot of the time she covers. Um, She's quoted as saying, I don't really see myself as a songwriter. I don't really like writing. Uh, I just don't get good ideas, and the ones I do get are pinched from other records. (laughs) The only reason I write is for the money. Oh, mercenary creature. (laughs) That is in the quote. So So I think um, for me, she is a lot different than... um, The groups that we talk about, because we Mm -hmm. just talked about how they were very, like, singer-songwriter-esque. Yeah. The bands. Mm -hmm. She was more of a cover. Where she would do lots of covers and put her own spin on them. She was not... She didn't even consider herself a writer. Uh, Pop was kind of on the decline in the late 60s. Like, music was getting a little more experimental. So she signed with Atlantic Records, because that was the same label Aretha Franklin was in, and that's her idol, apparently. So she was hoping to reinvigorate her career with this. And uh, this is just a fun side note. But in November 1968, she suggested to one of the heads of Atlantic Records that he should sign a newly formed group from the UK. And their name was Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who?
1: <laughs> and, she, and he was like, hmm, okay, yeah, I guess if you say they're okay.
0: Wow. And that's, how, uh-huh, that's how Led Zeppelin came to be. So thanks, Dusty. <laughs> um, so her album wasn't a success, uh, the album that she recorded with uh, Atlantic Records. This mm-hmm. really wasn't doing anything for her. And then they released a single from it called Son of a Preacher Man. Oh. Which was huge. That's when Billy would take me walking. Out through the backyard we go walking. Then he look into my eyes. Lord knows my surprise the only one who could ever reach
1: me was the Son of a Preacher Man.
0: The only boy who could ever teach
1: me was the son of a preacher man, so yes, he was, he was, mm, yes,
0: So then people wanted to buy that one after the single came out. Oh, okay. Right? She continued to see quite a lot of success. It was a little more... So-and-so at the end of her career. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she just kind of faded out of popularity, but she yeah. still was, like, in demand for, live performances throughout her life. She, um, she actually died of breast cancer. Oh. In 1999. She was only 59.
1: Wow. Oh, that's sad. That's so. very sad.
0: She had a tragically mm-hmm. short career, I think. And I wonder if she would have lived longer, if, like, you and I would have known her, known about her. Maybe. It's like 99, you weren't even that old. She died in 99? She
1: died in 99. Yeah, we were
0: six. Yeah. So, but if she would have lived longer, it's possible she would have gone on to make more music when we would have been, like, intentionally listening to music. Right. But, anyway, tragically short life. So, I'm sad. Um, The only other thing I have for her was just an interesting, another kind of side note. She went on tour in 1964, kind of at the peak of her popularity. Mm -hmm. Uh, in South Africa. But her tour was terminated because she allowed an integrated audience, um, which went against the nation's segregation policy at the time, because they were still segregated.
1: Okay. So
0: they made her leave the country. is <laughs> wow. that wild? That's crazy. And I was
1: like, that just makes me like,
0: that really like hit home how it was not actually that long ago. Mm-hmm. That those things were happening and how sad it was.
1: I feel like there were quite a (laughs) few bands um, who were like, no, we're not singing to segregated groups. No. Right. So. That
0: was just kind of the general movement. I mean, think about like the civil rights movement was taking place in the 60s too. It was just mm -hmm. this era of such tremendous change all across the board. Yeah. So many things were happening at the time. Right. Right. I wonder if people who lived back then like knew what a pivotal time it was for culture, for race relations, for everything. Or if you just I don't know. slowly, like you know, if you're just living your life. Yeah. Went with the flow.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: just weird to look back on it now. But anyway. That's Dusty Springfield. Cool. So now you know her. Son of a preacher to <laughs>
1: Now you know. <laughs> um yeah, I kind of wish I mean I, I do I have I have grandparents who were obviously alive during mm-hmm. this time but I kind of wish I knew someone who was like a teenager yes. during the 60s cuz my dad was born in 1960 so mm-hmm. like well he wasn't I guess <laughs> my mom
0: was she's the closest thing she was born in 54
1: Yeah so cuz I'd I mean, be she interested graduated get... high school in 72 Yeah so she's right during that time Yeah I'd be interested to get their perspective. Mm-hmm.
0: Just a disclaimer, I don't know if you can hear the sirens, but there are <laughs> sirens happening and we have the door open. Because we apparently just don't care about recording quality anymore. <laughs> sorry about the cats, the jumping vegetables, the one mic, the sirens. <laughs> oh, we didn't even say that. Oh, we didn't. I'm sorry. It's fine. Working with one mic because we're having
1: technical difficulties.
0: <laughs> So we just put it between us, and we're hoping for the best people. Man, we're just getting lazier and lazier as the year goes
1: on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, I'd also done some research about the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Um, but I I did, I just, it just kept going. Uh-huh. Um, because they're a huge group. Yeah. Obviously, it's the Rolling Stones. Um, and I, I got to the point where I was like, this is warrants its own episode. Like, they are a group that's just so influential. Yeah. I said, we're going to have to do an episode on the Rolling Stones, so look forward, forward to Liz. that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, do you have anything else? Jeez, I don't think so. I mean, I know there is, but do we so have anything much, else? There's So much. So I, much to cover. I feel like I have a better understanding than I did before we did this research. Of Me the too. British Invasion. Me too. Which is really all I feel like I'm aiming for with this podcast when we, like, research mm-hmm. things. is to just kind of know more about it.
0: I mean, I just, I enjoyed the fact that I, I just thought it was about music. <laughs> and, like, that clearly, like, doing, like, five minutes of research, I was like, oh, look at that. There's right. There's so much more here than I thought. Right. So, that was cool. And I really liked learning about the band's. And I'm really bad, honestly, about sticking to, like, music I know. Yeah. And not branching out. And so I was like, you know what? I need to go listen to more of the Kinks stuff. Because I would play their little previews and Wikipedia, you know, little sound bites. And I was like, that's nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want to listen to more of that. So it makes me want to go actually
1: seek out some of this music. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that, too, when I was doing this. I was like, I should go listen to some of these bands. Uh Right. I feel like the Beatles get all the credit. Well, yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, what's funny is like, who do you blame in that situation?
0: Nobody. It's just how things worked out. Yeah. It's not nobody. The nobody's to
1: blame. So, yeah. um, okay. Well, that was the British invasion. That was
0: a very brief overview. Of the British
1: Invasion. That was a Select little, bands. Yep. There was a little bit of background, a little bit of miscellaneous, and some bands. Oh, well, you want to talk about tea? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost finished mine. Oh, good for you. Okay. Is it
0: me? Should I yell? Okay, I don't care. Okay, well, as a reminder, I had the almond cookie flavored tea from Tea Kitten. Um, That's very good. I'm almost done with it. And it's cold.
1: That's cold? Yeah. Well, that's not... You can drink cold tea.
0: Yeah. I know. But still, I'm saying, mm-hmm. like, it's it's good enough to drink cold for me.
1: Yeah, you say that about a lot of teas. Okay.
0: <laughs> I like it, though. I think it tastes as good as it smells. Oh, good. I would give it an 8 out of 10. Look at me committing to a number. <laughs> um... I think next time I have it, I would like to try it with some form of milk. I think it would be really good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Almond milk, actually.
1: Yeah. Ooh. That would be good.
0: Yeah. Almond cookie.
1: There you go. There you go. Almond cookie on okay. milk. Done. Uh, that's my Done. mission next time. <laughs> cool. What about you? Hmm. Okay. Mine tasted as good as it smelled, too. Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> as good as it smelled post being steeped.
1: Yes. Yeah. I had about two drinks of it, and then I was like, I can't do this. So then I switched to my water. Water, I would give a 10 out of 10. That's that bad, huh? Yeah. That sucks. It was not good at all. It was like a really super watered down, almost actually bitter coffee tasting tea and not even chocolate at all. Oh, I I had chocolate tea, by the way, just as a reminder. And it
0: did not taste of chocolate.
1: No, it wasn't good at all. Oh, that's so, that's Yeah.
0: It didn't smell good.
1: So. No. Um, I'm going to give it like a 2 out of 10. Oof. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we'll not drink again. I don't recommend it. Okay. But maybe I'm not a fan of chocolate tea. I don't know.
0: That's true. You did have the chocolate mint and you didn't like it.
1: Yeah. Which is shocking because I love chocolate. Right.
0: Maybe you just want hot chocolate your Maybe brain. You're like, this isn't hot chocolate, therefore I'm not having <laughs> it maybe (laughs) so
1: yeah Mm, not my favorite but alright well this has been We Are Not Amused discussing the British invasion yay um you can email us at notamusedpodcast at gmail.com with any topic ideas comments questions um your take on the British invasion what you knew about it what you maybe maybe learned about it what did we miss <laughs> <laughs> everything that'd be the longest email ever um we also have instagram not amused podcast you can follow us on there we post every other wednesday before an episode goes live every sunday when an episode goes live and we occasionally do throwback thursdays to previous episodes it's a good way to keep up yep um, but, but yeah that's it so oh and um, you can subscribe wherever you can subscribe wherever you can subscribe you should do it or follow us follow yeah. us review wherever you can do that alright we will see everyone in two weeks
0: yes thanks for listening